0: I've got a happy accident. No, not there. I've got a great ball of fire. That's in really bad taste. Welcome to Date Fight. It's Tuesday. So much harder than a Monday, I think, Uh, but let's not bring you down. No, easier than a Monday. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Feeling like I need to preach right now. Testify. It's the podcast where we take great moments from history that occurred on this day and we pitch them against each other. Yes, he's Jake
1: Yap. I'm Nat Tapley. And together we have taken two jellyfish from the Sea of History and urinated on each of them to see which... (laughs) retract its tentacles
0: fastest <laughs> into the entertainment hatch of your mind. I don't know about you, but just you saying that's made my tentacle <laughs> attract. Let's do this. <laughs>
1: right, I am going to take you to the twenty. Are we starting with the sad ones or the happy ones?
0: I think let's let's take people on a journey. Why don't you start sad and go happy? Okay, I am going to take you back to the twenty eighth of
1: January, ten sixty nine, when Robert de Comine, the Earl of Northumbria, goes to Durham. And gets killed by the people of Durham. Something he said. As a bit of a backstory, um, so this is 1069. William the Conqueror had been in charge since 1066, and the nobles in the north and outside London had submitted to William the Conqueror in December 1066, just before he had that coronation we mentioned on Christmas Day, where his followers thought that... London was being attacked and set fire to it? Oh, yes. Yeah, they did. Hooray! Hooray! We love William the
0: Conqueror! And the people outside said, they are shouting something, we must set fire to everything! <laughs> <Yeah>. um. <laughs> That's a great story. People should go back and listen to that podcast if they didn't hear it over Christmas. It was one of the best. Yeah, oh, It was a great yeah. one, Christmas Day.
1: So the nobles all submitted to William the Conqueror, but
0: essentially they didn't
1: really. They went, yeah, yeah, all right, you're king, whatever. And then they all went back to up north or off in the West Country and just ignored everything he said. Um... <laughs> and there was a particular there was Edgar Athling running around who was um Edmund Ironside's grandson who was a pretender to the throne and no one was doing what um William Conqueror wanted <laughs> <clears throat> when he arrived <laughs> when he arrived um Copsy was in charge of uh, Northumbria
0: Copsy who was- I'm sorry that sounded like Coxey as in like Sarah Cox
1: Oh, or- no it's Copsy like Dropsy All oh, right Copsy like Dropsy had supported Tostig like Bostick, um, who was the previous Earl of Northumbria. Um, Copsy had fought with the Danes and had fought against Harold Godwinson, but when William the Conqueror became king, he said, please make me Earl of Northumbria, and William the Conqueror did. Then he was killed by Osulf five weeks later. Ozulf was then murdered by Cospatrick. Cospatrick wanted to buy the earldom. Um, then Cospatrick turned against William the Conqueror. Joined, essentially, Northumbria was a nightmare for William the Conqueror. Oh. People kept getting killed or pretending they were his friend and betraying him. And so he said, right, it, the new Earl of Northumbria is my mate Robert de Comine, or, as he was French, Robert de Comyn. Um He's the Earl of Northumbria, and he's going to go up there and sort everything out. And on the 28th of January, 1069... He arrived in Durham to sort out the people of Durham and got killed, which led to the harrying of the North. Now, the harrying of the North is when William the Conqueror decided that he was bored of having to go to York and Yorkshire every few Months to try and sort it out. Then every time he left, they'd start rebelling again and burning stuff and going, you're not the king. Ah. <laughs> so he went back <laughs> and he thought, well, instead of that, why don't I just set fire to the entire north of England? Which he did. Cranky. He killed whole villages of people, burned all the cattle, all the livestock, all the crops to make sure no one could survive. You couldn't survive and be a rebel because no one could survive. Um, more than 100,000 people died of starvation and there weren't that many people living in the country at the time. That's horrendous. All villages were burned. Uh, People were selling themselves into perpetual slavery just to try and get out of the north of the country. The survivors turned to cannibalism and eating dogs and cats. Um, By 1086, when the um, Doomsday Book was written, there were still 60% of Yorkshire was just written as its wasteland, its it's dead now we killed it the abbey of evesham had refugees coming they've got um records from the refugees arriving who were so hungry they uh, then died of eating too much as soon as they got there because they gorged themselves they were so hungry um and it was sort of i think it was one of the beginnings of the north south divide in that when you do set fire to the whole half of the country yeah. and leave it to starve then that's going to obviously make some sort of resentment bill i don't know some sort of Distinction in people's minds between the two areas. So that's mine. Ten sixty nine in the beginning of the harrying of the north.
0: That is absolutely shocking. I, I had no idea that all of that
1: happened. That we had a genocide on this in this country. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the. I mean, there are some people who say it wasn't so bad. There are some historians. The big argument now is whether you can call it a genocide or not. And I think if that's the big argument about something, whether or not you can call it a genocide, we can all agree it wasn't a very good thing. Sorry, the north. Sorry,
0: sorry, the north. Did, did... On behalf of France, really. <laughs> on behalf of the people of Caen. Oh, dear. That is really horrifying. And do you think that culturally that that's how we got to the north-south divide? Well, I think there are a few things. There's the fact that it was tended to be
1: governed by Danish people for large periods of, for well, a few hundred years, rather than the sort of Anglo-Saxons who were further south. But then this as well, on top of that, means that, yes, there was a very different culture and experience of history between the two places and then the way different ways they developed industrially means because the resources the coal and things were in the north or the whales in the north so i think a number yeah. of things have contributed to it but this didn't help
0: well uh that's cheer us up jake that's really horrible i certainly will actually um i'm going to Yay. take you to the 28th of january 1754 Ooh, and a new word gets invented in a letter a guy called Sir Horace Walpole mm. writes to his friend Horace Mann, Ooh. double Horace, mm-hmm. and he's talking about uh, a discovery he'd made about a lost painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a painting by Giorgio Vasari of Bianca Capello. I don't know who she was. I should probably have Whitechapel. Anyway, yes. he was re- by he referenced to this painting by uh, referring to a Persian fairy tale, which was called The Three Princes of Serendip. <laughs> Mm -hmm. which is uh, an old name for Sri Lanka. Yeah. And so he's talking about this story to his friend, Horace to Horace, uh, and Horace tells Horace uh, that these princes were were always making discoveries by accidents and sagacity of things of which they were not in quest. Mm -hmm. So he decides to call that phenomenon serendipity. Oh, wow. I had that. And that's where it comes really? from. So it comes from the old name for Sri Lanka. That's brilliant. Ceylon. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And there's some great examples of serendipity. Yeah. Uh, particularly in the in the world of food. Do you know the origin of cheese? No. That cheese you love so much. Yeah, I that? do. I love it very much. Mm. Well, that originated in the nomad nomad practice of storing milk Mm-hmm. Uh, where should we put the milk? We're doing the camel <laughs> trek in a minute. Where should we put the milk? Um, I've got a stomach out of a dead camel. Yeah, I'll put the milk in there. <laughs> yeah, put it in there. Yeah. All right. So they would store they would store milk in the stomach of a dead camel, mm. which they would attach to the saddle of a live camel. Yeah. Nothing weird about that, mate.
1: No, <laughs> don't worry. What's bouncing off the side of your actual stomach? Yeah. It's just another just a dead
0: person what happened to that guy nothing, yeah, nothing keep no, walking keep walking mate trot on unless you want to end up as a cheese holder <laughs> um <they're>, it depends <laughs> how kissable they are cf last week's oh are we yes. going to do the camel beauty thing it would be perfect to yes do that. I, I will do, at the end of this yeah, yeah, you yeah. can hear the camels oh do you want to do it now uh, no no it's all right um let's do it at the end the uh, camel beauty standards just to finish the thought so that's how rennet got mixed with milk, because it came from the dead camel's oh. stomach. Yum, 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 yum. And you think vegans are weird. <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, there's millions of examples of, of serendipity and invention. People trying to synthesise rubber and instead came up with silly putty. Ooh, which is so many uses. Like, well, copying right. comics onto it briefly. Just and then great. Printing them on something else. Yeah, and then finding something better to do. <laughs> and uh, the microwave oven uh, happened. That was discovered when a guy called Percy Spencer... A guy called Percy Spencer, who is a Raytheon scientist, uh, he noticed. Uh, oh, do you know what the uh, the emissions from this radar equipment I'm experimenting with? It's uh, it's melted the candy in my pocket. Ah. Also, my testicles yes. have exploded.
1: <laughs> also, the cartilage in my knees is a jelly now. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. My thighs smell like chicken. <laughs> that's mine then. Well,
1: that's good. Let's go on to some happy birthdays. <laughs> Be birthday to Joan II, Queen of Navarre. She was perhaps illegitimate, but was legitimised by her father on his deathbed. Um, she would have lost the... Uh, throne of Navarre if her stepmother had given birth to a boy she did briefly her stepmother gave birth to John the Posthumous which I think is the least enthusiastic name <laughs> you can give a child um, he died five <laughs> days later um, after that Philip V stole the throne of France from her but she got it back later on Well, after, no she got the throne of Navarre back later on which she shared with her husband Um, Happy birthday to Kathleen Lonsdale the Irish pacifist, prison reformer and crystallographer who was one of the first female fellows of the Royal Society Uh, She had to go to Ilford County High High School for Boys to study maths and science because the local girls school didn't offer it Oh the world Uh, Happy birthday to Jackson Pollock whose spatter paintings lead lots of people to go Oh I could do better than that but they never do They don't, they don't do better than that (laughs) Oh, my five-year-old could do better. Could they? Could they? Well, why don't they then? Yeah, But they didn't. No. Did they they did? not I mean, If they could, you could probably exhibit them for money.. Happy death, Day. Happy death Day to Thomas Bodley, who invented the Bodleian Library, the illegal deposit library and the second biggest library in the country. Happy Death Day to Isabella of Aragon, who was Queen Consort of France and daughter of Violent of Hungary. Yes, that's Violent of Hungary. Um, she went on the Eighth Crusade with her husband while pregnant, but unfortunately fell off a horse. And uh, gave, uh, the, then she miscarried and died, unfortunately. That's Isabella of Aragon, who died on this day. Also, happy death days to Gregory Jarvis, Krista McAuliffe, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Judith Resnick, Dick Scooby and Michael J. Smith, all of whom were on the Challenger 2 in 1986. So that's a sad death day for them. In fact, that's probably one of the first death days I remember happening. Oh. You okay, mate? It, yeah, they interrupted Docula to tell us about it. Ducula? It wasn't, I can't remember. I think it was probably tea teabag. <laughs> it was quite shocking seeing it happen fairly shortly after it had happened. Yeah. But at least, unlike uh, school children in, in America, we hadn't been forced to sit and watch it live as it happened at school. I'm sad about that. That's why we put them all in. I think they ju- deserved a joint uh, memory today.
0: Yeah. Anyway, what's your round two? Many thanks. Uh, Okay, well, I'm (laughs) going to take you to the 28th of January 1958. Mm. It is the beginning of the biggest tyre manufacturer in the world. Oh. Namely, selling over 400 million tyres a year. (gasps) Michelin? Lego. Oh, Lego. Lego. Yes, Lego. They patent the design of their Lego bricks, uh, which are still compatible, which is an extraordinary feat, really. Uh, And does, I think, rightly give it prominence as one of the greatest pieces of design ever. The tolerance, like, they are so accurately put together. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the moulding process is so accurate that for every one million parts they make, bricks and, and stuff... yeah. Only eighteen won't pass their quality standard. What? It is insane how accurate that's crazy their production is and what the the tolerance is. It is extraordinary, and a single Lego brick is so strong and powerful. Mm. It's ridiculous. You can do you know how many Lego bricks you could pile on top of one Lego brick before it would start to buckle? I do not know how many. Could you? I'll tell you. Three hundred and seventy-five thousand what you could build a tower two miles high before the bottom lego brick would start to buckle. certainly
1: couldn't you don't know how rubbish i I am with lego
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you know what the world's largest population group is no oh lego people
1: lego minifigures there's four billion of them yeah you can see them all coming over here they're all over here now yeah (laughs) I will, I'll tell you what, I went out in the street the other day and if you didn't know any better, you would have sworn you were in Legoland. <laughs> oh, very good. Not a white face as far as the eye could see. Uh, stop there, plastic. stop there,
0: stop, stop there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> I seem to remember, I think it's easier to take apart now though because I seem to remember when I was a child, if two pieces, that, two of the very thin Lego pieces got put together, they were there forever, that was it, they were done. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was no way you could get a nail between them or anything. They would just fuse
0: like that forever. But what a testament, you know, to to the finesse of their manufacturing. Mm. That, you know, you're right. They were... Very hard to pull apart, but you get they make the special orange puller aparters now. Oh, do they? they? Oh, Oh, yeah, the special orange puller aparters. I need to get some of those
1: to unfuse all of my still fused 40 year old (laughs) Lego.
0: (laughs) But it is, it is incredible that you you know you you can play. I I play with 40 50 year old Lego mixed in with Lego Mm. I bought last week, and it works perfectly. Yeah, extraordinary system. I'd like to see that happen with, you know, Windows or something.
1: You can still do it with Meccano. I mean, I think, Lego is obviously yeah. an inferior uh, version of Meccano.
0: Uh, I used to make... True uh, English sets. Yeah, I used to make... Uh, I
1: made a ham radio with mine.
0: I made a Messerschmitt, uh, finest <laughs> aircraft ever produced. No, we can't go back into that. If you don't know what well, I'm talking about, you need fucker. to listen to the weekend's podcast, because we, <laughs> yeah. we, went, we lost it a little bit over the weekend. So oh, dear, we got we a bit went, giddy yeah. and made a spin-off podcast called uh what was it the history shed with two dads two dads in the history two shed in the yep. history shed it was lovely it was horrific right give us your round two round two i'm going to take you to the 28th of
1: january 1393 and the ball of the burning man oh it's france charles the mad is on the throne <laughs> and to celebrate the <laughs> is
0: that a good idea i don't know <laughs>
1: Charles the Man is on the throne and to celebrate the wedding of one of his wife's ladies-in-waiting, they have a Sharivari, which is, it was a masked ball. Oh. I mean, the only place I'd heard the word Sharivari before this was on Punch, which always called itself the London Sharivari, so I'm assuming it's just some sort of yeah. wild... Do
0: you want do you, do you want me to put on my uh, knock-off version of Eyes Wide Shut music? Oh, yes, please. Yeah, let's have that. Okay, I'll put it on. Here. Okay, here it is. Okay, carry on. Um... So, there's a charivari, which is a masked
1: ball, um, and the costumes were really well thought through. The costumes were all made of linen, soaked in pitch, with flax studs, because it was old. They were very heavy costumes, uh, with heavy masks, and one of the people masked and hidden in amongst the revellers... Tom Cruise. ...was Charles uh, VI, Charles the Mad, and everyone had to guess who it was. Um, now, if you've made costumes of linen, soaked in pitch, they do become yes. highly flammable but they knew that they weren't stupid Charles the Mad wasn't stupid he was mad so he said there were no candles or torches to be allowed at the ball and there weren't and they, so they all danced in the dark all dressed up trying to guess who was who until Louis the Duc d'Orléans turned up late drunk carrying a load of torches so he could see who was who at which point the name of the ball of the burning man yeah. becomes very clear as to what it meant one person panicked, got caught by the torches, was set like to ev- all of the other dancers. Everyone was on fire. Oh my God. The Duchess de Bovy, who was 14, hid Charles VI under her skirt to put him out. One saved himself by jumping into a barrel of wine. Four people died, and that's the ball of the Burning Man. Only four people died? Only four people died. I don't think it was a huge party, because I think it may only have been 12 people in Mark... Had- there were sort of... Enough people in masks that you had to choose between them, but it wasn't a huge number, like a huge ballroom full. So you could have looked at each of them and tried to find out who the king was. By was it king.
0: basically someone's lounge, and was it like car keys? Yeah, it and was a house bottle. party. Yeah. It was like <laughs> it was like
1: those old Halloween parties in someone's student house, where someone's dressed themselves in a bin bag and has called themselves, <laughs> oh, the rubbish culture of ourselves, <laughs> and someone's been smoking too close to them. They've gone up like a candle, and you have to put them in the bath. To put them.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's I'm on fire, I'm on fire, let me touch everyone. <laughs> it does seem a bit like... Yeah. Quick, help you, me, help me. Shake my hand, I'm on fire. <laughs> Hug me close, it's the only way. Kiss me goodbye. Yeah, I, yeah. Wow, oh, horrific, absolutely horrific. Thanks yep. so much, what a lovely <laughs> note. To close the podcast, well, hang on. on. Um, if you want a better note y- to close a podcast on, oh, how yes? about the Camel Standards of Beauty? Camel Standards of Beauty. This is a, a back ref, by the way, to when yeah. was it we did the, the Camel thing? <laughs> it was quite a while ago now. I keep forgetting is to it do Friday? this, but I think it was
1: Friday. Yeah, Friday.
0: Okay. Well worth a listen. One of the best podcasts we've done, I would say. Yeah, it was a great one. I like that one. Camels are categorized. Not like this. This is a dud. Yeah, go on, go on.
1: <laughs> Camels are categorized by age after their teeth examination. They, then, what is looked for is coat. The coat must have a natural appearance with shiny hair of a clearly definable colour. Now, I don't know of anything which doesn't have a clearly definable colour. Um,
0: does that have a colour? Yeah, uh, certainly does. I would say s- some some products from highly successful commercial bakery outlet chains. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, The brighter the hair, the more
1: beautiful the pageant entrant is considered to be. (laughs) No hair colouring, tattooing, or other cosmetic modification is allowed. Oh, man, who would tattoo a camel? What would you tattoo on a camel? I don't know. Well, the people who were giving them botox, hang on. This came off the back of them giving them botox and pulling their lips to make them longer. I
0: like the idea of like love and hate across each hump or something. <laughs> the neck, the neck must be long, wide, elegant and lean. Neither overly full nor skinny.
1: Blech! Who likes a skinny neck on a camel? I don't
0: I got I must admit I don't like a skinny camel. I like a little bit of rump skinny on the neck.
1: hump. Yeah. Yeah. The area between the neck and the hump should be long and strong. Tell me about it. The head should be large and upright as well as proportioned to the rest of the body. Lips should be pouty and pendulous with the upper lip being cleft. Chin is visible from the front and side. We need to make
0: mm-hmm. RuPaul's
1: Camel Race. <laughs> we do. Eyes are wide with long dark lashes. Ears are long, furrowed and pricked up. Also must keep the sand out. Haha. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hump, large and shapely, in the usual position, close to the back. Well, yeah, of course it's got to be on the back. We're That's on the, the side. The... That was <laughs> hump on each leg. <laughs> a good posture and a large hump may increase a camel's chance of winning. And those are the camel standards of beauty. In case you're looking to enter your camel in the
0: Abdulaziz Camel Fest. I entered my camel once. Um,. Did you? I got seven years. <laughs> Good. Three <Hooray>, camel beauty. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, oh, that's got don't me. Don't thank
1: me. Thank the people of the King Abdulaziz Camel Fest. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's got me thinking about camels now. I thought. Yeah. think we're going to have to. Pop I mean, off. when they. I,
1: I didn't see this last Friday, but the more I've pondered on the innate beauty of the camel and its leathery <laughs> mouth, the more realistic it seems. Leathery, kissable mouth. <laughs> Well, once you've pulled the lips to elongate them, that's really. (laughs)
0: Oh. Oh, stop. Yeah. Cold shower time <laughs> uh, Right Thank you very much For <laughs> listening To the podcast And um, you can of course Vote <laughs> Yes thank you Thank you for listening To that <laughs> Yeah thank you Thank you for being here <laughs> Thank you yeah, yeah for some reason I need an audience When I do this Anyway um, <laughs> You can vote If you go to Twitter yes. It's uh, At date underscore fight And if you go to Facebook It's uh, Facebook.com Forward slash Date fight Yes uh, Do vote Guys do vote mm. For me Do and, vote It's um, what makes it all worthwhile yeah. Seeing those votes it's top so. uh, and we will be back of course tomorrow. tomorrow with another date fight as we trudge unrelentingly onwards yes. towards I'm guessing the demise of one yep. of us or just an absence of a, a will <laughs> to continue possibly uh, anyway. I think when we have our big party it should everyone
1: should have to dress in pitch Take social linen <laughs> <laughs> as costumes
0: yeah riding a very beautiful leathery camel right see
1: you tomorrow Bye. Bye.